1: House of Character, a podcast about sketch and character comedy. My name is Alex Lynch. In this show, I chat to writers and performers from the world of sketch and character comedy. Find out what made them venture into it. Talk about their characters. Maybe meet some of their characters. And generally, just shoot the breeze. And more importantly, have a laugh. My special guest for episode sixteen is the writer-performer Brianne Redman. Hello.
2: Hello. How Thanks are you? Thanks for having me, Alex.
1: No problem. How are you? How are you doing? How has your, how has your lockdown been?
2: It's been. Uh, I've 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 walked around where I live a lot, and I've now chosen my favourite <laughs> house and garden on pretty much every street. I presume everyone does <laughs> this, right?
1: Yeah, of course, it's standard. It's uh, almost like almost like a sort of bingo. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, which one's in a really finger. nice kind of tapery thing, and who's kind of got bookshelf? I like. Eventually, I think I will get arrested because it looks like I'm casing the
1: dream. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun
2: to imagine that you live in these different places. <laughs> Are
1: there houses that it's kind of like? That's my dream house, like uh, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street.
2: Yeah, the, I've uh... Uh, now started playing the lottery. <laughs> because i've chosen the house so i think then if you win the lottery you can knock on the door and go wanna move which isn't a creepy way to start a conversation
1: (laughs) that's great well it gets to the point doesn't it
2: yeah there's no
1: sort of like hidden agenda it's just no this is this is what i'm about (laughs) get out (laughs) i
2: realize just saying wanna move doesn't say i want to buy your house it could sound like
1: (laughs) you'd be a good bailiff (laughs)
2: Yeah.
1: uh, (laughs) yeah So, uh, whilst you have been doing that, you've also been um, regularly uh, taking part in questing time, haven't you? For over a year now.
2: Yeah, it? it's like yeah, it's uh, we started pretty much in the first week or two of, of actual lockdown, in back in March last year, I think. And wow. once a week for about three hours, I adventure <laughs> in a fantasy land as a tiefling drummer. <laughs> Which is a lot of fun because I have no musical ability.
1: Oh, amazing. And so that's the character you've been for the whole The, the whole time.
2: time. It's the longest I've ever played a ca- the same character. Uh, yeah, she's like, <laughs> um, yeah, very. It's quite nice because she's like this really friendly, happy little tiefling. Who wants mm. to make friends with everyone and hugs a lot of people. And I think that came out of the fact I wasn't allowed to physically see my friends or touch them. <laughs>
0: so
2: in my fantasy world, I got to see friends and touch them. <laughs> that, that's living the dream.
1: That's really sweet and also kind of tragic. Yeah.
2: No. <laughs> there was one point where like, a lot of us agreed, like our favourite episode, one of the ones that we did, was literally all four characters went and had a gig like a music gig together and then had a nice drink together and we're like this is not Lord of the Rings but it was a really nice night out that we couldn't
1: have. So are the whole team musicians?
2: No no uh, my character keeps trying to make them musicians Uh, it's slowly working Um, no they are all proper we've got like a battle dwarf Played by Rufus Hound, who's kind of, um, yeah, very tough and ready to fight or drink or both. And Richard Soames is a very straight down the line ex-copper or ex-guard, as it's called in the fantasy world, (laughs) who has no sense of humour, much like the guard. That
1: sounds like Richard, yeah. (laughs) You know him.
2: I'm allowed to mock him. He's a very talented man, but I know him well enough to (laughs) mock him. It's it's all done with um, hate. <laughs> Matt Hyton, the delightful Matt Hayton, uh plays uh well, he keeps playing different characters. He's just a being of pure chaos, uh, which matches mm. his own personality quite well and is a lot of fun. <laughs> and then all hosted by the wonderful Paul Foxcroft who creates these worlds that are so real. We really think we're there.
0: <laughs> After
2: one show I came and to told my partner, I've just I've just battled a whole army of snowmen. And he's like, I don't, I don't think you have.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. I want to be in that world. That sounds uh, much much more, uh, well, exciting, but also um, balanced. It's
2: been really good. And <laughs> it? it's all because we've got um, Rob Sedgbeard doing all the tech. He's the person behind the Wi-Fi wars and everything. So it's all cool. very works very well. We can see each other. And it's the closest to feeling like you can actually improvise with someone online a lot better that way. And with Paul describing everything, we actually felt like, yeah, we've been in loads of different places during lockdown. Been jumping through planes of air. <laughs> Hell.
1: <laughs> oh, that's great. And you've got people... Uh, are, is this sort of live stream and people can get involved? Is that the idea?
2: It's literally, we are playing a game. Like, we, we do, used to do it monthly as a live show and that's a bit more like a performance show, whereas this time we're mm. actually keeping to the rules, we actually roll the dice properly <laughs> and have our own sheets on Dungeon, D&D Beyond and stuff. And so they are actually watching us do the game with Paul effectively doing the, some people call it DM or GM role. So yeah, mm. people watch and they do get like, the fans call themselves goblins and they are amazing. And they've like, do you... Uh, art pictures of our characters, and they made for like our year stream anniversary. They made like a little Warhammer version of us, a little model.
1: Oh, that's so cool! Best
2: thing I've ever been given. It's so cute.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So it's, it's kind of that- kept
2: me sane, I think. Or, well, l- knowing me, sane it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so let's uh, let's cast back to uh, long before. um the, the pandemic and question time and the circumstances we find ourselves in to uh when you first got into comedy because um you were in law before right
2: <laughs> in law i'm very judge dread aren't i
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> well yeah i well the thing is like i think this happens to a lot of kids who think that comedy or acting or The fun stuff that you really love is not a job. Mm. Like you're told that's not something you're allowed to do or should do. I thought I had to do a sensible career. (laughs) Even though I'd done improv at university, Mm. I'd kind of let it go because I thought I'm not allowed to do that past then. That's just a fun student thing. Um, I will become a lawyer. Wow. (laughs) That's the other option. Yeah. Yeah. But I hated it. I really, really hated (laughs) law. If anyone is thinking of becoming a lawyer, don't. Just don't do it.
1: Go and watch that uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend song. Yeah!
2: No (laughs) one wants to be a lawyer. It's true! (laughs) It's true. So
1: why did you... um, What made you choose that as the... Career option originally? It's
2: because when I was 11, a teacher told me I should be a judge. (laughs) I honestly think that's why. Because I'm very, like, I like things to be fair. I really, Mm. and I wanted to help people. And I thought, well, I could help people by making sure when things go wrong, a judge kind of helps sort things out, is what I thought it was. And I think when you actually get into, I trained as a a barrister, and it's all about Mm. argument. You have to really love argument. And I hate arguing. I want everyone to get on.
1: (laughs) Did you find that out the hard way? Did you go into an argument not equipped
2: I actually, I would like, I'd actually feel, it's more I'd feel guilty, because I had to do like cross-examination, you had to do it with an actor, I, I would have rather have been the actor, <laughs> you have to cross-examine them, they've been given a witness statement, <laughs> but memory is an imperfect, and you can mess with them, and ask them questions, so they then get muddled, and mm. then they look like they're lying, and I remember the actor looking really like quite annoyed with me. Because i tripped them up and then I felt bad going, like, I wouldn't remember that either. And I'm just making (laughs) normal
1: human memory look bad. Oh, I'm imagining like one of those courtroom dramas, but with you like apologising.
2: I did actually write, I started writing a a sitcom based in a magistrate's court because I made one friend in law school, uh, a guy called (laughs) Paul Hancock, who's, who's, actually I've lost his mobile number when my phone broke, so... Paul, if you're listening, I I have no other way of contacting you. <laughs> I don't think that's going to work.
1: Yeah, he's definitely listening.
2: I imagine what if we had become lawyers? Neither of us have. What it would be mm. like if we both were working as lawyers? Because he hated public speaking, <laughs> and I did too. And uh, yeah, I was very apologetic for anything I said or did. So yeah,
1: brilliant. Did you did you ever did you uh, continue with that that sitcom?
2: No, it's one of those um, ones I wrote and put in a, a drawer somewhere. I come up with many. Uh, as there's, there's too many. There's a lot that I have, and then I get bored and go on to something else. It's unfortunately the improviser in me. <laughs> but they're all there. Yeah, one just day. do an
1: amalgamation of all of them. <laughs> yeah. Space <laughs> law.
2: I was going to say space law 2020, because it's Anna Futuristic. <laughs> it's last year.
1: <laughs> one year after Blade Runner. <laughs> yeah. And, uh... <laughs> oh, oh God. dear so after law what made what was the kind of um uh cataclysm for making comedy the 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 career because that is your career now
2: i guess it was um or well, it' was partly like during mm-hmm. During law school, I was getting nervous again, public speaking, which I used to be Mm -hmm. when I was younger. I was very, very shy. And I'd originally done improv at university to get over that. So I'd speak to people. And Mm -hmm. uh, I was starting to regress. So I thought, well, I'll go do some improv workshops because that will help with the law. (laughs) (laughs) No, it went the other way. (laughs) I loved improv so much. I went, I just want to do more of this. And I met Sonia Vine, who became my first double act partner. And she was so funny on stage. And I just went, I want to work with her. I want to work with her. And yeah, I got a job working in charity because I hated law and I wanted to help people. And I thought, well, the best thing to do is work (laughs) in a better field. Mm. Um, And then started pursuing comedy outside of that. Oh,
1: wow. And what was the double act with you and Sonia then? Was that um, sketch? Was it uh, an improv?
2: It was a narrative so narrative sketch comedy. So yeah, we did do sketches, mm. and we did like a, a narrative show. Uh, One Edinburgh, yeah, Bronya and Sione.
0: <laughs> we spent
2: a long time just swapping the first couple of initials.
1: <laughs> names. Oh, that's brilliant! When did when when was that then?
2: Probably you know me in years eighteen twenty three. <laughs> um, yeah, it was ages ago. Um, yeah, it was like I absolutely loved it. It was my first Fringe doing it, not as a student um, and just Um, going, I actually kind of want to do this. And I was acting in someone else's play at the same time. And mm. we had a different guest star every day because we had this part that we'd written that was called Cake Eye, which everyone had superhero (laughs) powers and that superhero (laughs) power was you could see through cake.
1: Cake Eye. Cake Eye. Yeah, which is hard to say.
2: What was even worse with it is that we gave that. The actor that came in, different person each day, a pair of glasses with Jaffa Cakes taped to the front of them. I love it. <laughs> but that was a health and safety disaster. <laughs> oh,
1: re- really?
2: Because they couldn't see and they had to come from off stage.
1: Oh, you mean they. Oh, right. Oh, I see. You mean they had to walk onto the stage wearing the Jaffa Cake. Yeah. The cake, like they had to be blind, basically.
2: Yeah. And we didn't <laughs> think it was a problem until the first person tried it.
1: Oh, God.
2: <laughs> and then we then we gave people the instruction you must not wear the glasses until you're fully on stage and still. <laughs> and it still caught a couple of people out.
1: Wow. That's um oh that's great. Like that's really interesting cuz I didn't I thought your um your your first um sketch thing at Edinburgh was um surname and surname. Yeah,
2: no, I did uh, Bronya and Sine and then the next year I wanted to go back up with Sonia. Um, mm. but she was unfor- not unfortunately she was congratulatory pregnant <laughs> ah uh, so it made a, like due in August so we definitely she, she didn't want to do a fringe show and give birth
1: a fringe birth that hasn't been done yet has it it should it's, be uh... right
2: it's gonna be that's gonna be on like the arty, weird end of the fringe. Yeah,
1: especially now.
2: So yeah, so she didn't. So I actually did. I went up because I'd still sort of booked a space in the free fringe. So went up with Paul Foxcroft mm. again and um, oh. Joe Morepergo and Monica Heisey as ladies and gentlemen.
1: Oh wow! Which
2: was a last minute put together sketch group based on the fact that I think I had booked a slot for me <laughs> and Sonia.
1: Yeah. Oh wow! And how how did that how did that go? Like how much time did you have to? did you all have to put this show together or was, did you find out, did you make that decision quite early, early on? We were
2: done like a couple of shows in Leicester Square and we all just wrote kind of sketches and then shoved them together, whether they went together or not. And it was a lot of fun. I really liked working with those guys. But um, I think because mine and Paul's sketches were more similar and we've known each other through Mm -hmm. improv so much, we then went on to form surname and surname.
1: A great uh, sketch name. I mean, I, 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 I do like Bronya and Cyanese. That is very...
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, surname and surname is great. The only problem we have with both ladies and gentlemen and surname and surname is you mm-hmm. can't Google them. You, you get toilets. And if you Google surname and surname, it just registers as surname. <laughs> it's just the same word twice. And so uh, many people have surnames.
1: Yeah, of course. The The marketing budget there, it's impressive. How did you and... Paul, like what? What was the, what was the improv? Because uh, the, the improv place where you met. Because when uh, I came into improv, you know, I knew Monkey Toast and the and obviously the FA and and stuff. Uh, what was what was the the sort of um, hub? around when you started improv uh
2: back in 1762 of course yeah i well i i started in the improverts which is the edinburgh university Ah. improv troupe and it is actually Mm. where i met paul because paul the theater there would run during the festival and we get lots of people from lots of different uh theater places come and would rent space in it and so i met paul in the festival at university I haven't known Paul Hi. so long. <laughs> so yeah. So I met him there. So uh he he wasn't doing improv at that time, but he did like he basically was like an improvert, like his brain worked exactly the same way. So we hung out.
1: Nice.
2: Then he was doing improv when I wasn't down in London mm-hmm. with the Institute down at Canal Cafe. Oh yeah. With Carriad and Sarah Pascoe and people. Oh right, yeah. That show. Um, so I went to watch him then and I was like, I'm not doing improv anymore because I'm being a lawyer. <laughs> uh,
1: um, <laughs> Got to keep the dream alive.
2: Got <laughs> You know, uh, <laughs> it was expensive. Um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, so then I think we both start, when did we first improvise together? I think that you invited me along to do one of those shows. Oh, wow. Because of Paul, I got to do one of the improvathons, the fifty-hour.
1: Oh my god! Yes, I've heard about these. I have not. I mean, I haven't seen. I I couldn't take part in one, of course. But I haven't seen one. It sounds, it sounds like you'd go a little insane.
2: You do. You actually ca- can start hallucinating. <laughs> Most people do towards the end. I, I'm not really? sure why we
1: we <laughs> ever did it. <laughs> It's a yearly thing, though, isn't it?
2: A yearly thing, um, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure I would do the full 50 again. When I did the full 50, I did properly. Like I, I was confused between reality. (laughs) And it's you you cannot tell if you're dreaming.
1: You were trying to play the drums afterwards, (laughs) and
2: uh... (laughs) yeah, it's it's quite. I'm not sure it's healthy, but it is weird. You get past the point where there is no edit switch whatsoever on what you say which i guess is one way to improvise
1: god and like is it just do you presumably well no not presumably i i don't know i mean you're not trying to tie it together as well are you
2: it's improvised like um so i do improvise soap as well with uh, steen Raskopoulos and friends it's like, steen's an amazing improviser and then we all play like it's usually set either it can be like a hospital or it can be um, a university campus or we've had mm. one at a casino and we all play heightened <laughs> characters and you tell a story in 45 minutes but it's very soap so it's very extreme and then the end is always <laughs> like big reveals that sometimes make sense the improvathons <laughs> are like that but for 50 hours so you but you wear costume and you have a set so we've wow. had one that's like on um like an agatha christie one so it was oh yeah Murder oh, yeah. on the orange express type thing
0: Mm -hmm. And we were
2: all passengers and every shift, I couldn't make a lot of that one. So I think I was Veronica victim and only there for the first shift. (laughs) And there's a director who calls the scenes in that. So that helps keep it kind of coherent. And they just called a scene where I had to be on stage and everyone in the cast had to come into the scene with me and give a reason for why they might kill me.
1: (laughs) So how, and you, how, how, how did you die in the end? What was your death scene?
2: Oh well, my death scene was it was a classic uh, like Chris, Agatha Christie moment. It's just the lights went off for them, and when they went back on, I was dead. So oh, that they could then for the next <laughs> few hours work out who actually killed me. It was Maria <laughs> Peters,
1: ah. which is the way oh, I would wow. like to go. <laughs> what killed by Maria Peters? Yeah. <laughs> it sounds. It, I mean, it sounds so much fun, but it also just sounds. So so tiring. Even for like the big, biggest improv fan. Was that something that like they did in America?
2: They did it in Canada, in I think it's Edmonton. Uh they have an improv company out there that and some of those improvisers would come over and join in the one here. They do it as a fundraiser. So they do their Mm. 50-hour one and that pays for their set and costume for the rest of the year. We just did it because we're mad. (laughs) That was it. (laughs) Wasn't even a fundraiser.
1: Ah, but I mean, it's still. I mean, it's it's still going. I love that. A lot of
2: the um, showstopper guys. So there's, I just uh, if there's a musical number, slink off stage and leave them to it. (laughs)
1: Have you have you uh, have you not got uh, involved in showstoppers? Before, you're not a singer.
2: I am not a singer. I love their work and I've <laughs> improvised with a lot of them in other forms mm. and I love those guys, but I cannot sing for love. This is why I like playing a tiefling musician. This is why it's fantasy. Cannot sing, no sense of rhythm. (laughs) Basically just drag down showstopper to the point where like, is everything going to be spoken word from now on? Great, it won't rhyme. (laughs) Or, you know, if they could dub me with someone else, if Ruth Brack could sing for all of me, that'd be great.
1: I I had that uh, in a musical once. I was chorusing Whistle Down the Wind. And for some reason, just the chorus... We were in rehearsal singing like ourselves and then on the night they decided they were going to dub the chorus. So then my parents came to watch and I did this like solo and they were so kind of like, "Oh my god, he's going to be a singer. This is amazing." Like and they were so so disappointed when they found out <laughs> it wasn't me.
2: Your parents didn't know?
1: No. They because well, we've been rehearsing. We've been in rehearsals singing, and then on the night, the director was like, um, "We're gonna dub the chorus. Like, we're gonna play something over the top." So of course, like, we didn't. It was you know, we didn't have phones back then, so I couldn't like tell my parents. So they came to watch it, and yeah, but they were so excited when they were like, "Oh my god, I didn't know he could sing! Wow!" And then yeah, and then it turned when the, when I was like, "Yeah, no, that wasn't me." They were really angry,
2: oh my gosh, maybe you can, mm. Alex. I think it's the teacher shouldn't have done the dub should have let you let you fly with your own voice.
1: <laughs> it was i mean maybe there was maybe there was too much. Um, too much riding on it, but she was odd. This director. We did a um, too show much once riding was... on
2: a school production.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, she did one thing that uh, she did, which was also quite strange. Was we did we had an end of this is like my sort of morning drama class thing when I was like ten or eleven kind of thing, and um, at the end of one school term, she got us all to do Rocky Horror when like, you were just... eleven. When we were yeah, so like the it ended with all these twelve year olds singing Touch a Touch Me. Which is the creepiest thing Oh my gosh <laughs> like, Yeah I was... wonder if
2: they still teach
1: <laughs> I think the <this>, uh... <laughs> I mean what a segue The school's closed down now
2: but... <laughs> It was that summer <laughs> The
0: job is inherently crappy That's why you've never met a lawyer who's happy It's a guaranteed soul destroyer Don't be a lawyer
1: if you had to be isolated with any T V comedy character, who would it be?
2: <laughs> um, you know what I wanna say? Just this is based on our Netflix account. <laughs> you know you can choose your icon on Netflix. Yeah. Um I'd actually me and my partner have chosen each one and <laughs> they have Titus from Kimmy Schmidt and I have Jessica Jones <laughs> I think them together would make a great sitcom so can I live Jess- in a flat with them two?
1: Oh wow Jessica Jones and Titus
2: yeah I mean it would be both dangerous and hilarious
1: I mean Jessica Jones would have to be the the sort of sane one in the relationship yeah.
2: <laughs> she'd Otherwise, be so annoyed by us <laughs>
1: otherwise it's just too kooky it's, uh...
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that's who I'd like to be in isolation with
1: where would you live with them in, New in, York. in a house in New York
2: yeah it's gotta be New York <laughs> gotta be New York because they're both New York based and it's a cool city Jessica
1: Jones, Titus and Bryony Redmond
2: <laughs> I'd go out every morning, pick up donuts for Titus and whiskey for Jessica.
1: And also go around uh, the streets and the houses looking at... Uh, <laughs> Which one I'm like going to live in. <laughs> going up to people saying, are you going to move? Uh, <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: So Titus and Jessica Jones can come and live here.
2: Our little bailiff slash moving <laughs> company.
1: <laughs> company. Well, the three of you all set up a company together, when yeah. you?
2: Yeah. <laughs> we do house decoration, house moving... <laughs> And basic
1: threats. <laughs> oh, that's that's great. Um wow, that's I mean that is uh that's that I'm not gonna lie, that's an unusual um, <laughs> se- setup. Um, <laughs> but I, I I like it. It's um it's got more it's got more longevity to it than simply living with uh basil Valti. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, going back to surname and surname um, because that was when I first met you because that was my first ever Edinburgh I came to watch you guys do surname and surname in that attic oh the
2: warm, um, warm attic
1: the really warm attic without a fire escape yes (laughs) yeah yeah
2: that was a really yeah. fun fringe, I think, because I think that mm. was that yeah. the same fringe we're doing a play elsewhere as well.
1: You were doing two surname and surname shows, and I came to the one that you, the first one, which you were like repeating, um, but I never saw Bang. Which was, yeah, the second one, wasn't
2: it? Yeah, yes. Bang, we are doing at the Pleasants while we were doing it. I don't know why we decided to do that. I think it's, again, me booking a <laughs> slot <laughs> and then going, what do we do with this? Um, so, yeah, it was a really foolish idea, but we did it. But, yeah, Bang mm-hmm. was at the Pleasants and it was, like, our second year show. And, yeah, I really I really loved doing that show with Paul. We had, like, the stupidest magic trick, which was just <laughs> us behind one of those hoops with the quick changes but for ages oh, yeah. <laughs> and then we didn't change much <laughs> and there was, like, it was such a stupid joke that we were there for so long and then didn't change much at all uh as we turned into freddie and jason which was a sketch i had written with no knowledge of either of those horror films <laughs> what <laughs> we did a, a sketch as uh freddie uh kruger I was Freddy Krueger, and Paul was Jason from, is it Halloween? Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th, yes, I do to even know which film it's from. So uh, I'd written a sketch with them being like Ant and Dex style presenters. So yeah, we were doing that. And that was mainly, it started written have been rewritten by our director David Reed.
1: So David directed surname and surname.
2: Yeah, yeah. He was really good cuz he also comes from an improv background and mm. uh, he's very good at editing me and Paul who will easily get carried away and he will
0: go,
2: No. <laughs> he's tough but fair.
1: I uh, loved it. It's very uh it's a very it was very it was a very joyous show <laughs> it's, the
2: style, it's the style of comedy i've always liked i've always liked very stupid <laughs> stupid is just gonna make you giggle because you're just like that is so stupid well
1: i mean and that that comes as neatly onto your solo shows which uh, I, I i was trying to remember the names of them i remember theory of positivity but what was the name of the one where you were the detective
2: uh oh that could have been so i had the first one was Secret Show.
1: Yes, that's yes, yeah, Secret Show. Which was yes, a yes. name
2: just because the first time I tried it was in Camden the year before I went to Edinburgh and I didn't tell anyone yeah. I was yeah. doing a show in case doing solo was awful. So my name is <laughs> nowhere on it. <laughs> and I just called it The Secret Show.
1: Secret Show. Was there irony in that everyone came to that show.
2: So I did the first uh, secret show without my name attached, and it was mainly mm. friends not from comedy because I did it in Camden during August oh, yeah, when a lot yeah. of my comedy friends would be in Edinburgh. Mm. Mm. Tried it with strangers plus a couple of friends from non-comedy world, and yeah. uh, when it worked, so I'll then attach my name <laughs> to it in Edinburgh. But yeah, that's when <laughs> I, I, I always wanted to do character, not me. I was never gonna mm. do stand up. Um, I had briefly tried stand up and not found it for me, because yeah. I can't. I don't either. Don't like talking about my life, or if I fictionalize my life, I feel like I'm lying, and I'm uncomfortable <laughs> with lying. To stand up <laughs> no, was tricky. I
1: mean, yeah, no, sure. It's, but also I think like because you have that chaotic, cha- chaotic improv brain, you were able to come up with these, with these brilliant ca- absurd characters. Can you, for listeners who might not be so familiar, can you give a little lowdown as to just uh, some of the characters that you, you played?
2: So um, I think in my first show I played Fate, who is just uh, the embodiment <laughs> of like the god of fate or goddess of fate. Or whatever yes. fate is, who would tell people their fates, what they're fated to do? But I'd mainly audience interaction. I'd look at them and tell them something very boring. That was to be true. <laughs> like you will get a window seat on the train. <laughs> so yeah, fate. Who uh... <laughs> And there was a storyline with that, with a, just a, the most boring human in the world called Claire, a name so boring you can't even shorten it. <laughs> and then there was, uh, I would. I mean, It with other, because I was doing it in kind of a Harold style format, there'd be other stories that would go alongside. And one of them was based on Scandi Noir, which was really popular at the time. And so I had once been asked in an improv show to do a Scandinavian style accent in a, and I did, and someone (laughs) said, you sound just like Bjork. (laughs) So I made my Scandi Noir detective Bjork. Occasionally through shows I have played like celebrities but they're always they are definitely not impressions
1: <laughs> yes because bjork turned up a, uh she's a she's a regular isn't she she's a and, and then it was a um benedict cumberbatch was that another one benedict
2: cumberbatch (laughs) he's in the recent show yeah um again not a genuine impression it's always like so with bjork she was a detective one year and then uh, more recently she's been the ceo of paper chase because to me that made sense um and Benedict Cumberbatch is an actor so good he believes he can do anything, play anything, including he is the lead singer of Maroon 5. Is that just an acting role?
0: Um,
2: And then he's also Medusa because he has curly hair. So that is how my brain
1: works.
2: I've always done that with like, one year I had Katie Holmes I played and Emma Watson but that's just because oh, yes. Katie Holmes was Sherlock Holmes' relative, jealous of his <laughs> job
1: as a detective. And Emma Watson. And
2: Emma Watson was <laughs> her sidekick. And my only impression uh, of Emma Watson is like, I think she's a really smart person. And so I made her do <laughs> quiz questions with the audience because I reckon that's what she'd be like. And then she give uh, people a twix for a correct answer because she's also a nice. Seems nice. Seems nice. I think, I, Lizzie, she comes across well. <laughs>
1: That's great. Yeah, you always got the audience involved. Um, like, didn't you Didn't you used to put a sticker on people?
2: Yeah, in my very first show, because uh, both me and my partner are very shy people and I, I don't like audience... As an audience member, I'm not a great fan of audience interaction. It can make me quite tense, um, yeah, weirdly, but I do it a lot to my audience. <laughs> but I like to make sure they're comfortable with it so from the very first show I did I had a traffic light system so mm. red mean do not speak to me do not engage with me <laughs> yellow meant I'm okay if you talk to me but I don't really want to get involved and green went go ahead and as people yeah. came in I would chat to them and find out and say I'm not lying to you seriously what do you want you can choose your sticker yeah then I very meanly opened the show saying <laughs> I'm red green colour <laughs> but I did only pick on green people <laughs> But the good thing is, is like what I loved about that show, because that show was about overcoming like fears and talking about the fact that you can be shy and still do this is that usually by the end, because in that show, I secretly taught the audience dance moves. And in the end, there's a dance and they all did it. Every single person every day joined in, even the people with red stickers. And I remember thinking, well, that's that's. That's, that always was like a win for me because they seemed like they were happy mm. in getting into it and they didn't feel, by the end, they felt safe enough to do that.
1: How did you find um, doing Edinburgh Fringe uh, with your solo stuff in comparison to doing it as part of a, a team or a, a sketch group, uh, a duo? Like how, how, how did it feel sort of going into that jungle? Um, Solo.
2: <laughs> like the first time, I was really terrified. I'm not, like, I was so scared. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I would... Like, the first time, it was... Uh, I Because I rely so much on improv and paying more attention to my scene partner than me. And uh, same with sketch. It was so much fun because you're so present, especially with the people I worked with. They were always mm. playful. So you were distracted throughout. So the way I kind of got round it, one like it's made me a, a stronger performer because i did get through it but the first festival i remember sometimes i would just be shaking <laughs> i used to hide little things in the show that were for me uh like mm. i put twixes in most of my shows because that was something <laughs> we had with paul so i felt like uh, he was there
1: yeah that's nice
2: my technician i they always work quite closely with damian robertson who yes. is tech and I felt like he was my double act partner so if I was not sure I would just look at the tech box and if it was like a good day it's great if it's a bad day I'm like I'm just going to try and make Damien Robertson laugh and anyone who's met Damien knows how hard that is
1: <laughs> and did you did you manage it
2: <laughs> very rarely but I'd really try <laughs> he's such a calming presence and like he's he's great he's not just tech he does all this great lighting design he, he coped mm. with my millions sound cues uh, but he also wow. gives me like directing notes as um, just so helpful but yeah if you ever like I could literally just play off him even though he wasn't And then, towards the end I started giving him lines
0: <laughs> <laughs> he didn't
2: appreciate it
1: <laughs> you didn't you didn't stir the actor in it
2: <laughs> no. I just I just thought I just amuses me to make him grumpy um, <laughs> yeah so yeah so having him there was like having a double act partner at least someone who is in the room who's always on your side no matter what and then it became using the audience actually yes. engaging with them and going I'm going to treat you like my improv team and try and make it a place where I feel like you're you're my team and we get on. Yeah. It got easier each Edinburgh because cause my shows are usually quite warm. I was quite I was very fortunate that audience mm. would come back. So I'd get the same yes. audience coming back and it would all be... Because I never paid for PR or ever got re- any national press or anything. <laughs> it was all word of mouth. Someone would see my show and say, oh, this is a warm, happy, like, Muppet movie yeah, show. If you like that, go yeah. see that. <laughs> and I get... I'd find my audience, and then it was lovely
1: oh, that's terrific and you say you've done four shows,
2: yeah, four oh, I can't wow. believe it
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's great and do you i mean um is there a plan to do? anymore my
2: third show i was having a particularly like it wasn't the show was fine (laughs) fine uh but (laughs) that point in my life was not so fine and so i remember that was a really tough year so i went back for the fourth year to go like i just want to have a really fun edinburgh i'll put more improv in i'll push myself and do something slightly different and so did that and my fourth show i had one of my best edinburgh's just so much fun i didn't get bored of the show by the end of the month because it was different enough
1: oh that's great so
2: yeah i've had i don't know whether i think it's also having two years off i don't know Mm. whether i will go back with a solo show i would definitely want to go back to edinburgh i'd love to do more improv up there yes and maybe a show with more people but i'm not sure whether i will just do so but i don't know I didn't, Mm. I didn't, each year I'd be like, I'm not sure. And then I'd want to do it.
1: (laughs) Well, I suppose also like you're, you're, you're focusing on writing other things.
2: Yeah, I've got quite a lot of other work on at the moment. So it's like, well, I'll just see. It won't be till at least next year. I'll see how I feel in January.
1: Quickly go back to improv because I realize I haven't talked about the, the FA. um, Because were you one of the people that kind of helped establish that.
2: no I was I was uh quite early on from when it was a school but not right. before that it was already in place with uh Max Navan and Graham had set it up and I think when they were wanting to extend their cast um mm. that's when Nell Mooney and I joined oh I think Nell oh, had already nice. joined and said did I want to and I went yeah look at all the talented (laughs) people there of course i do um so yeah and then when they started doing more teaching then i think i think it was just graham teaching to start with i'm not sure but anyway he he's i met up with him and he said do you uh want some more teaching work because i was already teaching at Sponge shop and monkey toast
1: wow
2: (laughs) they had teachers that like were regular teachers and i was just when they had some extra classes um, mm. And so when Graham was like going to give me more regular work, I was like, "Yes, please."
1: <laughs> and are the teaching styles very different? Like when you're having to teach three different schools, essentially.
2: Yeah, I mean the basics of improv are all the same. I think their focuses are slightly different. Um, so yeah, the, what like the lessons are are different. The, I particularly loved when I started teaching the Free Association's form of Harold i went oh yeah this is how that works for me because i i'd find i initially not really enjoyed the harold as a format which is just an improv format i don't know why it's called harold lots of people have told me different
0: reasons (laughs) i don't believe any of
2: them (laughs) but the free association's format of that i was like oh yeah Mm. i'm excited to do it and therefore i'm excited to teach it and i got more behind it that way and then yeah but they are they're very good at breaking down comedy so that even if comedy isn't your natural instinct, they can yes. teach it, which I think is quite hard to do because when I first started Nimbro, it's either you can do it or you can't.
1: It's it's always interesting how people who... Well, because I, I did classes at the Free Association. In fact, you were my teacher for the uh, first level. And um, you
2: still stayed on doing more. That's
1: I a vote t- of confidence. <laughs> well, the thing is, it's... It's it's so bizarre with improv, you 'cause the first week I did it, I came away feeling I'm shit, I'm shit, I'm shit, I shouldn't have done this, I'm shit. And then I was kind of like I shouldn't well, have I've... given
2: you that feedback.
1: I mean, yes, that does that <laughs> class one. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> oh, are you sh- are you are you sure you couldn't have been a lawyer? <laughs> um <laughs> Uh but I uh I felt very kind of like, I don't think this is for me, but i uh you know, it was that kind of thing of like, well, I've paid for it now, so I'm gonna stick it out and see what happens. And then in the second or third week, suddenly something clicked and I just found uh as most of the people in my um class, you do become quite obsessed with improv. <laughs> and it's wonderful. Like I absolutely love that I that I did it and I always enjoyed it. And those classes were so much fun. I met so many brilliant people through that. Well, Sorry, I'm glad you on. stuck
2: with it, Alex, because you I knew you would like it because you're, <laughs> I mean, it, it's a writer playing. It's live writing. And with you,
1: you've yes. got such
2: a wonderful writing talent. And to, to be able to do that with other people on a stage is just a fun treat for any writer.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. It re- Actually, it really does help with the writing, especially when you're looking at, game it was always quite fascinating how some of the funniest people were the ones who weren't comedians it wasn't even like oh um, I'm doing my day job but I want to be a comedian it was just they were more doing it for like um, either because they want they thought it'd be fun or presentation skills or something but yeah public speaking skills but it's I always found it quite amazing that those were often the best people just playing it for real rather than playing it for laughs.
2: Yeah, and I think that's because they are the wonderful thing if you get people that early on, they are willing to just be present. And in improv, it's so much trying to get people not to be jumping ahead or fleeing from going forward and just backing off. And you want to mm. get people to be completely... I always think that I describe it in classes either you can either be naturally front-footed or back-footed and we want you just to be planted, grounded on two feet and just be yeah. there, ready and yeah getting people <laughs> to that place some people find it easier than others and having a background in comedy doesn't natu- doesn't mean you're going to naturally find that easier because you've mm. been so used to writing or saying a joke or getting a laugh at a set point that to just cool. be present and listening can be hard
1: it's oh, it's it's such a collaborative thing you can't it's like if you if you have a i've got a funny idea you have to if someone comes in with something else you have to immediately discard it and just be like, right, well, you know, otherwise if you try and crowbar that in. Graham
2: said something the other day in the class. I I still take classes in order to keep myself uh, match ready. Oh, really? Is that what they say? Yeah, I still like the workshop.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, just because it's it's like going to the gym. So I like it. So I did Graham's narrative course, which was really good. And he said something about it takes two people to block. And I thought, I like that. I like that. Mm. I'm, I'm stealing that and going to use that.
1: I could edit this to make it sound like you've just. Come up with that. So,
2: if you also say that I invented the free association,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's great.
2: That's great. I am ostentatious.
1: <laughs> I am the law, and I am ostentatious.
2: This is going to be weirdly.
1: <laughs> you so, could um... edit
2: this very badly.
1: <laughs> oh, there's no good about it. <laughs> <laughs> We are on to the final section of the podcast, Change of Character. So, this name has been gifted to you by Professor Elemental. The name he has given to you is Officer Trout.
2: Officer Trout.
1: Officer Trout. So, who is Officer Trout? Uh,
2: yeah, so Officer Trout, oh, that is um, actually it's a pretty uh, cool character that I have played uh, quite a lot um officer trout is a is actually uh it's like a vigilante police officer because mm. there's obviously a lot of problems with police so officer trout it's an everyday officer that gives you <laughs> a meagre vitamins that you need to live um so yeah that's that's kind of it's it's thing. it's more like a Giving you more dietary advice, right. Than solving crime.
1: Does the dietary advice work in tandem with solving crimes?
2: Yeah, it does because a lot of criminals you can tell who they are by their vitamin deficiencies. Because if you <laughs> notice, like a lot of flaky skin at a crime scene, you might think oh, they've not <laughs> enough B vitamins.
1: <laughs> is that is that the first thing they notice?
2: Yeah, so they're like looking at that person going hey, do you eat eggs? so a lot of the questions they ask are about what they eat or don't eat and I must say officer trout is actually a giant fish so I wear a full <laughs> trout mask
1: <laughs> does that does that not alarm victim the, uh, you know the people in question you're questioning
2: it, what, what's really hard is because the mouth is upright. <laughs> a lot of the time like to actually kind of intimidate people I have to bend over at the waist. <laughs> So, the trout can go in, the face can go in their face, um, which is quite (laughs) uncomfortable for me. It's the top of the head. And then they can't really understand what I'm saying because I have to go up again.
1: So, interrogations are always quite difficult.
2: Yeah, they're quite difficult because when you stare at them in the face, they're like, sorry, what? And then you go up, and then they're like, I'm not intimidated. So, it's really tricky. And I generally get quite upset if anyone says they eat fish.
1: And does it send you into a blind Blind rage? rage
2: And then uh, Officer Trout always tips over an empty goldfish bowl. Oh. So, there's water everywhere. As soon as anything with water in it, that's a glass, any liquid, as soon as it's upsetting, push. Signature move of Officer Trout.
1: The fact it's empty tells me that that is the sole purpose of the goldfish bowl. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, he definitely plants a lot of large things filled with water vases, but no flowers in them because <laughs> Basically, the officer wants to have an opportunity to throw some water about the place.
1: And does he get on with the rest of his team?
2: Uh, Not really. Um, (laughs) Kind of a a lone trout, a lone trout, maverick trout uh, out on its own. Um, So, yeah, a lot of the team would rather that the officer use traditional policing methods rather than dietary methods.
1: Has anyone come round to his way of thinking? Oh
2: yeah, Is there's it? a f- yes. forensic um, guy who works in the morgue
1: who's mm-hmm. a cat
2: and he's, he's in favour <laughs> but they have a real kind of love-hate thing because it's like, oh, you're a cat, you generally want to attack or eat me and so it's like, they they're bit initially didn't like each other but now they're really getting on and working crimes together. But occasionally, oh, wow. the forensic cat will just kind of claw the Trout and be like, stop it, stop it.
1: <laughs> well, that's like anybody caught.
2: I'd say it's got this huge story arc, Alex, but to be mm. fair, the whole thing's only 10 seconds <clears throat> until he can't breathe.
1: <laughs> so, so, hang on. So Trout is on the job for 10 seconds
2: and then can't breathe because <laughs> there's <laughs> no water.
1: So in that 10 seconds, he goes to the crime scene, works out how flaky the skin is, talks about their dietary requirements with them, goes and interrogates a suspect yeah. who can't hear him, then in his anger, knocks over a goldfish bowl and then goes to confide in the forensic cat, Which hats. has a
2: whole love-hate storyline going on. They, yeah, almost get together... <laughs> i shouldn't have knocked over that water i have no way of breathing
1: (laughs) so is is officer trout still alive or is he it's basically
2: (laughs) i play the character it's a it's always the son of the previous officer (laughs) (laughs) so it's just a generational thing my father died doing this job Oh, my one, mother died. Yeah. They changed gender as well. My mother died.
1: One day away from retirement.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so they spawn. They are like an actual fish. They spawn loads of eggs. And then one of those eggs becomes... And
2: they're always trying to, like, avenge the original trout death.
1: So every time Officer Trout comes into work, no one is clocked. It's not the same person. For... No,
2: they, they really don't. And, um... <laughs> Like, I think Officer Trout, because like, they've always got a different first name, but no one uses first names in the station, so...
1: Trout, my office now.
2: And she'll be like, it's Jennifer Trout. <laughs> I don't care, Trout.
1: <laughs> it's, the, well, it's the chief uh, always busting her gills uh, over something.
2: Yeah, over something, yeah. Like, like you you know, like just the way she arrested someone or, you know, mm. her, the fact that she can't clock in because your gills are too low and the punch card is too high they
1: need to be more inclusive at the police station yeah
2: they really do i think that's also yeah. why they she's bonded with the cat forensic morgue person mm. i mean she's not like the name of the job that that character has <laughs> <laughs> cat forensic morgue person but <laughs> they've really bonded
1: uh, sounds like it is it the same cat it's the
2: same cat The cat has died, but it's got nine lives.
1: Ah, of course, You always tell it comes back to life because it's got
2: like a little bell around its neck and it rings when it comes back to life.
1: (laughs) So there's just like a little bell sound. It's just like, oh, cat's back.
2: Cat's back. (laughs) It's died. It's back. It's really tense. Like the first time it happens, you're all really moved going, oh my God, we love the cat. Don't kill the cat. And then it's like, (gasps) ding, 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 (laughs) ding. It's back.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, this... uh... This is a, a marvellous story. A character
2: I've worked in- on for years, Alex. Of
1: ju- justice and in Of injustice, injustice.
2: For 10 seconds. <laughs> 10 seconds.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, things, you know, short form content is, you know, you like TikTok. That's kind of ideal uh, length, isn't it? Ideal episode duration. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm just appealing to the next generation now <laughs> like you get all your drama in 10 seconds
1: so that that was Officer Trout um, wonderful, thank you for that can you please reveal to me um, the name you were going to pass on to my next guest
2: yeah well it's funny I got Officer Trout because my name is Captain Pyjamas <clears throat>
1: Great. Who is Captain Pajamas? We shall find out in the next episode of Out of Character. <laughs> in the meantime, thank you so much for being my guest today, Brian. It's been so lovely to have you on and chat to you.
2: Thanks Alex. It's been lovely just to chat to you about all things comedy and fun.